going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Padi, and I'm here with PD. Say what's up. What's up? All right, so this week's going to be different from what we've been doing pretty much the whole year with, like, a recap of the previous week and a little preview. We're going to be doing our Pro Bowl picks. I think it's getting to that time of year where people are talking about who will potentially be in the Pro Bowl. So as a quarterback-heavy podcast, we're going to talk about all the quarterbacks we think will be in it and in what capacity we think may go that. PD's got more on that. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Pro Bowl voting, the for, the ability to vote for the Pro Bowl uh, dropped yesterday. And um, so that that just kind of sparked this episode idea. So um, to, to touch on kind of like the level of quarterback play this year, first of all, before I get into what we're, we're going to be doing uh, on this podcast, um, the level of quarterback play this year, I think, has been a little bit below average. Um, it started off this year um, pretty poor. Actually, it was basically like almost everyone was playing below their standards, uh, except for Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, I think, um, and, and Geno Smith. Uh, those were the only guys that were playing up to their standards at the very beginning of the year. And then we've creeped up a little bit for the guys who we normally expect to be at the top of the league uh, through these past uh, through this past quarter of the season. So now we're at a point where the level of play is still below average, but uh, it's not as bad as it looked at the beginning of the season, I think. And so that kind of transitions. Yeah, yeah, that kind of transitions into uh, what we're going to be looking at this week, um, which is we're going to be looking at quarterbacks who are um, the way it's mathematically defined in in what I'm thinking is they're thirty percent better than league average um, in terms of how much value they add uh, to to their team. They would be thirty percent above league average, giving their team a chance to win basically and so what goes into that is um a play-by-play analysis of uh, how much value they're adding in terms of uh what what the how how much how many points they add in terms of how many yards they pick up basically is is what we're looking at and we we compile uh every single play that they make and we we kind of put that all together and that gives us how impactful these quarterbacks really are. Um, and so, yeah, just, we're, we're going to be looking at uh, how much more impactful than league average they are. If they're above 30%, um, they're going to be considered into that pro bowl tier. And if they're not, um, they won't be basically. Um, so we can get it started uh, with Potty uh, telling us uh, who, who we think are kind of the locks to make the pro bowl. Yeah, and uh, before we get into that, I also want to emphasize that we're not looking at conferences here. We know in real life, obviously, it's going to be four in each conference, but we're going to talk about like the top guys we think have been Pro Bowl level this year based off average Pro Bowl standard quarterback play, if that makes any sense. So if that confuses you guys, that's why we're not going to have four AFC guys for NFC guys, not necessarily even eight. It's just who we think this year has been playing at a Pro Bowl level. Yeah, and to, to, clarify, to clarify yeah, what uh, Pauly said, it's it's uh, four on each side because our assumption is basically that um, instead of the three that normally get voted, uh, the assumption is that on average every year there will be someone that drops out because they're going to the Super Bowl or they're injured or something like that. So it's always like 
eight to 10 guys who make it in the Pro Bowl. And uh, for the sake of this exercise, we're going to say the top 25% of quarterbacks uh, are what we consider Pro Bowl caliber because that's that's usually what it ends up as. Yep. And you want to get us started off with our locks, PD? Yeah, so our locks, uh, we have three locks. Um, No surprises at the top here. Uh, We have Patrick Mahomes. uh, We have Josh Allen. And then one one surprise, one guy we, we didn't even talk about in the offseason uh, because we didn't think that he had much of a shot to be anything more than a back-end starter, I guess. Uh, but he's been he's been absolutely sensational this year, and that's Geno Smith. So those are our three locks to make the Pro Bowl. I don't really see any argument that you can take them out of the Pro Bowl. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Geno Smith. You can get us started on what you think about uh, Patrick Mahomes this year. Probably. Yeah, so... I've I think I've talked about Mahomes on this podcast enough for well if you're listening you know I'm very high on him in general and especially this year I think this year without the speed demon in Tyreek Hill and just like an overarching number one guy uh, as a receiver I think Mahomes has had to develop a lot I think last year a lot of teams would just give too high looks at him and if he wasn't able to get the deep ball and play make as well as he wanted to. He just wasn't having successful offense. And this year we've gone back to the Chiefs offense overall and the Patrick Mahomes that pretty much no matter what defenses are throwing at him, he's been successful every week. He's leading an easily top two offense in the league, maybe even one depending on who you want to pick between them and the Bills and the Eagles, but easily top three. And Pretty much on a week-to-week basis, they're putting up as many points as they want. It's been very fluid, a very fluid offense. And I think a huge reason why is because Mahomes has just honed in on the ability to take what the defense gives him and have an underneath game. In previous years, it was a lot of the times deep ball or bust for Mahomes in the games he would struggle. Obviously, it was never the case the whole time in his previous years of his career because He was an elite quarterback, in my opinion, all of those years. So he wasn't devoid of the short game. But this year, I feel like he's really been able to dissect defenses and find, like, the open spots and zones or find the man beaters underneath that is uh, taking him to the next level because he's getting that short game going, the long game's working too. And I think his personnel is definitely more fitting of that this year as well. So... Yeah, Mahomes, easily a lock for me. Yeah, to add on to what you were saying uh, for Mahomes, so I'm just going to throw out some numbers that are descriptors of his play. So 0.333 EPA per play, that's number two in the league. 54.3% success rate, that's number three in the league. Um, 3.4% completion percentage over expectation, that's sixth in the league, and a 90.8 PFF grade, which is second in the league. So everything for Mahomes is sixth or better. It's very obvious that he's having another MVP level season. Um, And I think what you're kind of getting at there uh, with what you're saying is that technically he's become a more refined passer. Um, Even if I personally Uh think, and I think you agree that he's not the same athlete that he was uh, when he was younger. I think he's not as fast. Um, The flexibility I think is still there, but he doesn't really have the same burst. And I don't think his arm is as powerful as it once was actually. So even with a slightly declining um, athleticism, um, I think the the way that he's improved mentally is making up for a good portion of that. And this is uh, yet another MVP level season for him. 
Yep. And yeah, the last point you made, we talked about this off off the pod before recently actually, but I do agree that Mahomes has fallen off slightly in terms of athleticism, which is natural. You know, nobody in the world is going to be as athletic as they were in their early 20s the rest of their life. And Mahomes is only 27, so it's not like he's still not an elite athlete. Me and PD both agree that he's a top three or top five athlete as a quarterback easily for sure. But as that has declined in his game, as PD said, he's refined as a passer, and that's made him all the more dangerous. And moving on to the person who I think has been the second best in the league this season and has also dominated with his athleticism is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen this year has absolutely been... He's dominated the the league in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways he's also had some duds. We've talked about it in this pod a lot, but Josh Allen has had a few games where we're just like, what's he doing? But for sure it's been outweighed by this season where we've had games where he's just been absolutely elite. I think he's taken his rushing ability to another level this year, which is weird for a quarterback of his age. Not that he's old, but after your first few years in the league, teams usually dial back people's running ability, unless you're someone like Cam Newton or Michael Vick. And I think Josh Allen is definitely showing that he's in that tier. He's been absolutely dominating in the run. And it's not like he's doing it in a finesse way where we've normally seen. He's doing it in the way we've seen with only Cam Newton pretty much in NFL history, where he's just bodying linebackers and cornerbacks and safeties pretty much all over the field. And that's just his rushing ability. As a passer, he's also been incredibly refined. He's always had that huge arm and that deep ball, and that stayed with all his connections to Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis this year. But he's been absolutely insane underneath as well, and that's something in his game that's made him absolutely even more dangerous this year. And... Yeah, they've been, I think, statistically also a top three offense, just like I mentioned earlier with the Chiefs, Eagles, and Bills. They're a clear step up from everyone else as an overall offense. I think Josh Allen has been the most responsible out of a lot of these guys because if you look at his roster, it's pretty much just Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. It's the Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs show, and everyone else kind of fits around them. And... It gets one-dimensional at times, and I feel like that's why Josh Allen sometimes struggles. But it's been incredible what those two have been able to do this year for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think the discourse is going a little too far uh, right now, especially after this game uh, against the Vikings where he had, uh, what is it, the fumble in the end zone, uh, two picks that were both his fault, uh, pretty bad ones, in fact. One to end the game, one another one in the red zone, I believe. And so, I mean, I'm going to use a historical analogy here um, just to illustrate my point. Um, when Brett Favre went through cold streaks where he threw multiple interceptions for multiple games at a time, it's not like the coach would come out and say, okay, Brett Favre, you, you, you're not playing your best ball. Uh, we, we really need you to change the way that you play. And it's not like the people around the league would look at him differently. And I don't see why Josh Allen should be any different. Um, relative to their eras, they are making similar number of mistakes. Um, they're both not the greatest at protecting the football. Um, another comparison I used was John Elway. He wasn't like 
he wasn't always consistent in protecting the football. He would go through cold streaks like this as well. And I don't think that, like, if Josh Allen came out next week and threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, would you be surprised? That That's really what I'm coming out to. It's not at all. It's, yeah. And, and it's really like the inconsistency, the inconsistency of his game on a play to play basis, on a game to game basis. Um, it's just something that you embrace in the hopes that in a season to season basis, he will end up being consistent because he's able to, uh, he's able to make up for all of those mistakes by basically being the best playmaker in the league, I think. And one of the greatest playmakers of all time, really. Um, He's unbelievable at generating explosive plays with both scrambles, designed runs, and deep passes down the field. Um, he, even really like when he's coming back for maybe his second or third option on a scramble play, he can still uh, manufacture 20-plus yard plays. And that's that's incredibly impressive to me. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to rant on that a little bit. And I think that uh, it's getting lost that we're watching one of the greatest playmakers of all time, and it's... And it's apparently not obvious to some people. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of what we said about both of these first two quarterbacks and Mahomes and Allen has been very similar. Allen is a bit more athletic version with more mistakes. Mahomes makes slightly less mistakes, but isn't as nearly as uh, dominant athletically as Allen is. But both quarterbacks are just Hall of Fame level playmakers, in my opinion, and even though they aren't the most refined passers in the league at all, and especially not historically when compared to other all-time great quarterbacks, they're producing some of the most explosive offenses of all time because of just how insane they are playmaking in their own ways. And it's crazy to see. And despite their flaws, ultimately we are, I would say, nitpicking because of how high of a level they've played and how high expectations these two have because already so early in their careers, we're talking about all time level performances. But if you compare to their peers, which we are here, they're the clear top two, I'd say. And that's why there are two clear locks for the season. And before we move on, I do want to add, I do think this year Mahomes has been a step above pretty much every other quarterback in the league. I don't know if PD would agree, but I definitely think he's proven this year that he's been the clear number one, which a lot of people didn't think was the case in previous years. General consensus, I do think people thought Patrick Mahomes has been number one since he's entered the league, which in my opinion isn't necessarily true. But this year, I think you can't really argue it. And with him just now entering what should be his prime, uh, and him clearly separating from everyone else, it's going to be interesting and scary for opposing teams to see how he develops over the next like half decade. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the league for the next half decade. That's my take, bold or not. And yeah, I'm interested to see what he does. I don't think that's bold per se to to predict yeah, predict not, that not really. will be will be the best uh, for the next half decade. Um, I do. I do think you can make the case that it's pretty clear that he's the best this year, and I do think he is the best this year. But um, I wouldn't say it's like it's like a clear gap. I, I still think you can make an argument for yeah. like a Josh Allen this year, um, and yeah, even even though I would have Mahomes above. Well. Yeah, I could see that, but I feel like it would be weak. But okay. speaking of weaker arguments, we have 
Geno Smith as our uh, on the fence for a lock. And before I get we get into why Geno Smith's on the fence, I think I'll start off with how incredible he's been. As PD mentioned earlier, we didn't even want to talk about him coming into the year. I thought, as a Niners fan, I thought this was finally the end of the Seahawks' little reign of not necessarily dominance, but being a very high-level franchise with Russell Wilson being gone. They are having two pretty much people who were written off uh, in this league with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And Geno Smith was the one who, as he famously said, he didn't write back. And we're seeing it. I think, well, I don't even think, I think he's easily been the most accurate quarterback in the league alongside maybe Tua this year. His ball placement has been off the charts. Uh, Something we didn't see earlier on in Geno Smith's career is his amazing deep ball game. And this year we're seeing that a lot with weapons like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who have been known for being deep threats. He's utilizing them to their best abilities and throwing amazing shots. And that's uh, that's off the back of his short game, which has also been very impressive. As I said, he's been super accurate. He's been great with his anticipation, and he's hitting all these guys in stride and getting plenty of yards. And overall, he's just dotting teams up, to put it simply. That's And it was it's come completely out of nowhere because for years and years, he was a backup. And it, I think I've mentioned it before on the pod, but it makes me a little disappointed that we didn't get to see more of Geno Smith. And maybe there's an argument that some quarterbacks shouldn't be written off so soon because clearly being in the league for years and years has like, it's showing that a lot of these veteran quarterbacks, even when they're bad early in their career, they're able to come in and be like competent quarterbacks. We've seen it a lot this year because there's been so many injuries and young quarterbacks playing incompetently. We've seen veterans come in and be decent, but Gino has been clearly the best of that group and has put up an incredible season. And that's why we have him there. Yeah, man. Um, Incredible combination of accuracy, anticipation, arm talent. He's basically a fully complete quarterback right now, is Geno Smith. Uh, oh. The only thing that I, I do think he can work on is getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Uh, he does take a few too many sacks. Um, it's going to be reflected in some of the numbers that I throw out here. So Geno Smith, uh, 0.148 EPA per play, uh, which ranks seventh, and that's the one that is going to show up the most in. Uh, 52.4% success rate, which ranks fourth. completion percentage over expectation. That's first in the league and an 85.9 PFF grade. So that accuracy thing, um, it's reflected in the CPOE stat a bit. Um, I have my problems with CPOE, but it's, it's good for gauging how difficult the throws that he's making are. And he is making some difficult tight window throws deep down the field. Um, the, the, the biggest thing for me that I admire that Geno Smith is doing this year, um, it's kind of a trait that he's always had, but, he, he just does not take his foot off the gas pedal. He is he is incredibly confident, incredibly aggressive. Um, no matter what, uh, he is a threat to make a big play. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate that about Geno Smith. And now he's pairing it with incredible accuracy, anticipation, and uh, pre-snap recognition. So he's almost a lock uh, for me, but a couple of those things, like the errors that he does make taking sacks, um, he, he hasn't turned the ball over too much, but some of those turnovers, like the fumble that he had this past week, um, they can be a little bit ugly. And so 
those are the the minor things that are holding me back from putting Geno Smith in the lock tier. But incredibly impressed with what he's doing, and um, he's he's pretty close to a lock. Yeah, I I agree with the, pretty much everything you said there. But I also have Geno Smith as like a borderline lock, and the reason is it's honestly yeah he does have a few flaws as PD mentioned, but I feel like it's mostly not a fault of his own. I feel like Mahomes and Allen are just having such incredible seasons that they've distinguished themselves from the rest of the lot, and that includes Geno Smith. I think a big reason, as we mentioned, is Allen and Mahomes are Hall of Fame-level playmakers, and I think all three of these guys have been absolutely incredible and elite in creating offense within the game plan and within the structure of the offense. But I think even though Geno Smith has been an above-average playmaker, I don't think he comes close to what... Mahomes and Allen offer in that aspect of the game and maybe if like I said if he had started earlier maybe that would have been something he'd developed by this point in his career but that aspect of his game in my opinion is clearly a step down from what we see of Mahomes and Allen and I think that reflects in how explosive that offense is when you think of like offenses in the top upper echelon of this league I mentioned those top three with the Chiefs the Bills and the Eagles and the Seahawks are definitely not near that category. I think it's because Mahomes and Allen offer something extra that no other quarterbacks in this league do. But Geno has been so incredible as like a traditional refined quarterback that he's been an, a borderline MVP level ca- candidate. And that's why I think there's no way, there's no possible way in real life Geno isn't on this list. Like, Especially with it being a weak year for NFC quarterbacks, he's obviously going to make it. But in our list, with uh, our criteria, I still think he's a clear lock. He's just a little tier below Mahomes and Allen, and that's why he's where he is. But still, he's been incredible. Nothing much more to say. Yep, uh, agreed with uh, what you said there. All right, uh, moving on from those uh, clear locks, kind of group that we had right there, um, the guys who are almost locks, but maybe leave a little bit of meat on the bone um, and could be a little bit better to be considered into that full locks tier. So in this tier, um, a guy who I've always been high on, I put in my MVP sleepers, um, my MVP sleepers group when we did our first episode, and that's Jalen Hurts. And the other guy that we have in this group is Tua Tungamailoa. So why don't you get us started with uh, Jalen Hurts? Yeah, so Jalen Hurts, for a majority of this season, at least in my opinion, he was in that tier with Mahomes, Allen, Gino, as a lock, or at least a pretty much a lock. Because to start off the year pretty almost seemingly out of nowhere, Jalen Hurts significantly improved on his game as a passer, got way more refined, looked way more comfortable in the pocket and delivering balls accurately. A big part of that was getting a guy like A.J. Brown, who seemingly has been always open for him. But I think Jalen Hurts has just improved just being poised in the pocket and just delivering balls in the right places. Now, what's put me in a place where I have Hurts a little bit lower now has been his last few weeks, where I feel like he's definitely stepped down a bit from the elite level play we've seen in the previous few weeks. I think defense not necessarily figured out Jalen Hurts, but they've 
gotten to a point where he's not absolutely dominating everybody. And I think the struggles that we've seen from him the last few weeks is where the reason why he's where he is right now. Because if it was a couple weeks ago, I thought Herbert Hertz could have won MVP and he was maybe even second after or third, like right below Mahomes and Allen. Especially, like I said, the Eagles offense has been extremely explosive, has been absolutely incredible. But I think the difference between a team like the Chiefs and Bills and the Eagles is the surrounding pieces are helping Hurts a lot more than the helping guys like Mahomes and Allen, in my opinion, because of how elite that Eagles roster has been. And I think uh, Hurts' individual play has been slightly exposed in these past few weeks. And that's why I have him as a probable lock. I don't see a world where he doesn't make it, in my opinion, by the end of the year. But he's still on the fence because of what I've seen from the past few weeks. Yeah, so what I would describe these past few weeks as as is like he's giving us more questions um, than he was giving us answers at the beginning of the year. It's more like he's reverting back to some of the old habits that he had. The main one that I want to talk about, um, so I, I track a stat called early pocket bill, right? And early on in the year, it was it was around league average. It was like 15% or so. But in the past few weeks, it's creeped back toward where it was last year, and that's around 25%. So some of those bad habits are are showing up. And you can see it on a play like the sack that he took uh, yesterday, uh, or day before yesterday it was, um, uh, on Monday Night Football, where um, he drops back about 10 yards deep in the pocket and kind of invites that edge pressure because his left tackle doesn't have uh, the angle to block. And so he instead of stepping up, which is what you would do um, with a, a really high dropback depth, um, he bails to his right, right into pressure and gets sacked. So plays like that are kind of uh, an example of what's going on with Hertz, um, where he's reverting back some, to some of the old habits. I still think that his accuracy on deep balls and his confidence in throwing those um, is a huge, huge, huge uh, value add. And so it's tough for me to say that he's been playing poorly these last few weeks because the the habit that he's developed of being aggressive to a fault uh, when A.J. Brown is in 1v1, when Devontae Smith is in 1v1, um, that, that can still carry him to solid value. But I do agree that his play has been a little bit more questionable uh, in these past few weeks. Um, to, to kind of add on, uh, with, with some statistical stuff that I've been doing, uh, for these past few quarterbacks, um, Jalen Hurts 0.203 EPA per play, which ranks fifth. Um, that's where his elevated sack rate is going to show up, uh, 49.5% per- success rate, which ranks 12th, uh, 2.4 completion percentage over expected, which ranks ninth and an 85.2 PFF grade, which ranks fifth. So he's looking like a pro bowler in pretty much, uh, everywhere, but, there are some statistics that kind of doubt him uh, as a clear lock. And that's why he's like on the fringe for us. Yeah. And I, I want to emphasize that Hertz obviously has been incredible. So he'll most likely be a pro bowler. And that's what we're saying here. And I completely agree with uh, what you were saying, where I did say he's been significantly improved as in the pocket and pocket presence overall. But yeah, his decline in play has been hugely related to that, in my opinion, because 
I think, like you said, he's reverted a little bit to his old ways where he'll abandon the pocket too early or maybe not move around the right way he needs to. And I said this with, I believe it was Zach Wilson, but I think something super important with quarterbacks, which we take for granted in certain guys like Mahomes, Allen, uh, guys like Herbert, even Burrow even, is their ability to escape pressure without making it seem like anything even happened. I think the most impressive way a quarterback can avoid pressure and avoid getting sacked is doing it without having to run around and, uh, I guess, cause a scene in a way, uh, to put it lightly. It's just when you run around, when you're breaking tackles, yes, it's more impressive, but it ruins kind of the flow of the play and it ends up in a non-successful play most of the time. I mean, obviously all of these guys we're talking about are incredible of making something out of nothing all the time, but I want to see Jalen Hurts improve in that aspect of where I see him consistently just maneuver in the pocket, maybe step up, maybe step to the side instead of abandoning it, which he was doing earlier on in this year. And that was, I feel like a big off season focus for him. And these last few weeks, he's gone away from that a bit and he's got to get back to that. But if I am projecting a bit, I do think Jalen Hurts overall is going to return to his regular form that we saw earlier on in this year. And if I was to project, I think uh, towards the end of the year, we'll definitely have Hurts back in that at least Geno tier, maybe even that Mahomes-Allen tier. I think that's what's going to happen with Hurts. Uh, I'm not too concerned about him at all. I do think the Eagles as a whole are on fraud watch after what we saw two days ago, the game PD reference, where their streaks got broken by the commanders. And a lot of people are talking about how their schedule has been easy and they're maybe not the team that people think they are. And they are on a bit of fraud watch, but I don't think Hertz is at all. And that's why he's our fringe are pretty much a lock for Pro Bowl, but not quite a lock. I want to add on to one thing um, that we've been talking about. So the I referenced the play where Hertz uh, dropped back 10 yards deep, right, uh, where he got sacked. Mm-hmm. Um, that play is a called five-step drop, but Hertz's footwork makes it so that he takes seven. So Jalen Hertz starts with his right foot back, and it's slightly elevated. And basically, he puts that foot down, and then he takes a true false step. So it's like one and a half to two steps, and then he does a five-step drop. Uh, you can see that same type of footwork pattern with someone like Lamar Jackson, and I've been kind of critical of that before. But where other quarterbacks will end up at like nine, nine and a half, maybe eight and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage once they're done with their five-step drop, Jalen Hurts will end up 10 to 10 and a half yards, maybe 11. And that puts a lot of pressure on both of his tackles because – the edge rushers can basically run straight up the field and still have a, uh, an angle to pressure Hurts. So if he wants to play that way, which is possible, he needs to have strong interior uh, offensive line because he needs a place to step up to and not have pressure. And he also needs to do his job and step up in the pocket. And so what's happening is uh, on some of these plays, he's 10 and a half yards deep in the pocket. So he's creating the pressure by making the blocking angle impossible for his tackle. And then he's bailing out um, maybe usually to his right because that's his dominant hand and trying to create a play that way. And that usually doesn't work as well. Um, so he needs to figure out a way to counter uh, what the defenses are doing or the Eagles coaching staff can maybe 
call less of those five step drops, which I, I don't I I wouldn't recommend because that's where they generate a ton of explosive plays. So it's 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 a tough thing to to figure out. Yeah. And moving on from Hertz to the guy who replaced him at Alabama, and now they're both in the same tier of a pro, pro bowl talk. Uh, it's kind of crazy to see. Uh, people would not have thought that if you looked back at that time period. But we're looking at Tua Tagovailoa, who's had an absolutely incredible season for someone who had pretty much been written off in the previous two years, uh, dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of questions about does he have the arm talent? Does he have the physical tools essentially needed to be an effective quarterback in this league? I think this year the Dolphins' offense as a whole, and especially him, has have absolutely like revitalized what uh, they're doing down there. I think as a Niners fan, I saw what Mike McDaniel did with our team, and I was excited to see what he was going to do with guys like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and they've been absolutely incredible. But looking at Tua's individual play. I think the main thing everyone's going to rave about with Tua and his absolutely his best uh, trade as a quarterback is his accuracy and anticipation. Uh, he almost never misses throws. He's incredibly accurate with that with Gino in the sense that he might be the most accurate quarterback in the league. And he absolutely dominates the low to mid-range uh, game, the zero to about 20 yards downfield where he's just – every time finding Waddle and Hill in the right places. And those guys are incredible athletes and can pretty much uh, make anybody miss tackles. One of the best and two best in the league in that aspect. And two is doing a great job of just delivering on the money to them when they're open and just running an extremely high powered offense. And he's putting up huge stats too, as a result, uh, this reason has caused a lot of people to doubt Tua and just calling him like a merchant or a product of guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Mike McDaniel putting him in an incredible system. But uh, I'm not the type of person to fault Tua for something like that because he's doing his job given uh, the team around him. So uh, it's not like his play has been bad and he's getting carried by those guys I've mentioned. He's holding up his job and he's doing incredible at it and it's great to see especially with you know all the head injuries he's dealt with this year and all the scrutiny he's dealt with in the previous years like I said it's incredible to see him take this next leap and despite all the injuries become an effective quarterback in this league I do still have a little bit of concern about his arm talent as a lot of people do even though he's been super accurate with the deep balls uh, I do think a lot of the time he's slightly underthrowing some of those deep balls. And because of how elite his receivers are, it's not mattering because they're either all the way open or you got a guy like Tyreek Hill who can jump up and get the ball with anybody. One of the best contested catch receivers in the league for sure. Uh, so that is my only real concern with him is just over time with his athleticism and arm talent going down with him getting a bit older and he's injury prone. So things could ruin his uh, athleticism with injuries as well. Uh, that's my only concern for Tua. But as far as this year goes, I don't see him slowing down too much. I think a huge reason why he's only in the probably lock category is because of that injury. 
that put him out two to three games. And that's why he just doesn't have as much uh, playing time as a lot of these other guys. But as far as game-by-game basis, he might be in that Geno Smith category as a damn near lock or maybe even in that uh, MVP category where he's an absolute lock. So that's what I project out of Tua. I do think he's going to go up in this list, but for right now he's a probable lock, most likely going to make it though. Before I uh, dive into the points that I'm trying to make, I just want to read the numbers for Tua. So he's putting up a .425 EPA per play, which is first. But that's not just first. That is a higher number than Aaron Rodgers' MVP season in 2011. That's a higher number than Patrick Mahomes' MVP season in 2018. It's it's one of the highest numbers on record in basically any sample. Um, he also has a 54.8% success rate. That's first in the league. 5.9% completion percentage over expectation. That's second in the league behind only Geno, Geno Smith, who we talked about. And he's first in PFF grading as well with a 91.3 grade. So... He is, he is absolutely destroying the box score. And uh, another stat uh, that I haven't referenced um, so far this podcast, um, his adjusted net yards per attempt, which takes into which takes a yards per attempt number and adds in things like interceptions and sacks, it's, it's right up there with Aaron Rodgers' best season in 2011 uh, with how good that is. So, I mean, we're looking at one of the best statistical seasons of all time, uh, if this holds up. And... I mean, for now, because of the injury and because we aren't really certain of how how real this can be, um, it's just him in the semi-locks tier. But um, diving into what kind of what you said with um, his traits, I think that his ability to move around in the pocket is incredibly good. Um, his accuracy, obviously, is amazing. And his anticipation is like... His accuracy and anticipations are approaching like all time levels on this trajectory of improvement. Um, there's there's been quarterbacks in the past, obviously, who have overcome arm talent issues. You can look at guys like uh, Joe Montana, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, even Tom Brady. They're all better than where their arm talent would rank them uh, all time, and they do it through this kind of style of play, with accuracy, <laughs> anticipation, avoiding errors at an elite rate. Um, they're basically good at everything else, and I think that. There's an avenue for success for Tua uh, in terms of getting to that like MVP tier that we're talking about uh, with Mahomes and Allen. So I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off at all uh, at this point. He's just playing exceptional football right now, um, and the only thing that can stop him is health, and that that's what's stopping us from putting him in the next tier. Yeah, as you said, definitely don't write him off because just like Gino Tua's definitely writing back quite a bit this year. Uh, just another, the last three guys, Gino, Hurts, Tua, all guys who, you know, had a lot of question marks coming into the year, especially Tua and Hurts because they're, uh, they were just high, uh, high talked about players in this offseason. And they've definitely shut up a lot of the haters uh, and doubters, just people not really trusting them as franchise quarterbacks. I've heard plenty of Eagles and Dolphins fans who were coming into this year, especially Dolphins fans who just weren't sure if they had their franchise guy. And I think this year, both those guys have clearly proven that they're franchise quarterbacks and with their age, they're going to be good for years to come for sure, especially in both of those systems. But uh, if you have nothing else to say, PD, we'll move on to our rest, the rest of our Pro Bowlers. All right, so 
moving on to this kind of fringy tier, um, they're going to be on our Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl tier, but I could see an argument for them being argued off, um, and that's uh, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. So, And for me, uh, just to interject real quick, I have Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert in that category of guys who are fr- actually fringe pro bowlers who we don't necessarily know if they will or will not make it based off their play so far this year. And I guess me and PD will talk about why we disagree on him there. But first, get started with uh, Burrow. Yeah, so Burrow uh, playing a strong season again this year. Uh, 0.185 EPA per play that ranks 6th, 51.1% success rate that ranks 8th, uh, 3.9 completion percentage over expectation that ranks 5th, and an 80.6 PFF grade that ranks 7th. So he's he's in the top 8 in all these categories. Um, and so a pretty complete uh, season from Joe Burrow so far. He's taking less sacks this year than he did last year, and that's, that's great. That was basically his only flaw other than obviously the arm talent. Everyone talks about that. Um, his accuracy and, t- and anticipation are still as good as ever. Um, and yeah, we talked about the improvement in, in sacks just now. Uh, and I think that his arm looks slightly better than it did last year, um, but not quite the leap that he took from his rookie year to his second year. Um, I think that his decision-making, I, I really admire how aggressive he is without putting the ball in harm's way consistently. Uh, since that week one Steelers game, he's been – uh, near the bottom of the league in in putting the ball uh, in harm's way where the defense can make play on it. So um, just another excellent season from Joe Burrow, um, despite the fact that his supporting cast has been extremely inconsistent. There's been weeks where the offensive line has just not shown up um, and weeks where T. Higgins has played through injury and missed uh, halves of games, if I remember correctly. And now Jamar Chase is injured and Burrow is producing through it all. So uh, shout out to Joe Burrow playing playing a strong season this year. Yeah, for sure. Burrow definitely didn't have that leap that you talked about from his first year to his second year where he just burst out as an elite quarterback. I think he kind of remained in the same tier this year, which, given his last year, is good in a lot of ways. I think he's up there with guys like Geno and Tua and some others as one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, and he's doing it, as PD said, while being extremely aggressive, targeting players downfield and when you have guys like T Higgins and Jamar Chase it makes things a lot easier but they're wasted if you don't have a guy like Herbert who with minimal separation is able to just put the ball on the bunny push the ball downfield and create just explosive offense and like you said his uh sporting cast definitely has not held up this year they've made three big signings in the offseason with their offensive line and the offensive line has still been pretty much shit the whole year uh, just like last year, there's been slight improvements, and as they've gone on in the year, they've gelled better. But overall, they have not been helping him out. Joe Mixon has clearly taken a step back. A lot of his success has just come, come from pure volume and him being the only running back really on that team. But he has not been the elite player he was last year, at least so far. And as PD mentioned, with Chase being out, T. Higgins being banged up, he hasn't had that insane top three support a supporting cast that we've seen out of him and he still kept this Bengals team afloat and performing very well maybe not as quite as good as they were last year but they've still been very successful and Joe Burrow's a huge reason why uh now the big reason why he isn't 
up there with the probably going to make the Pro Bowl or a lock is because of how he started off the year for me. I'd say the first maybe four to five weeks, uh, maybe a little bit less, but something around then, he was looking like he regressed almost, especially that first game coming out. He was putting the ball a lot in harm's way. He did fix that by the second or third week where he wasn't turning the ball over at an incredible level. But I do think he was had still regressed at that point where he wasn't necessarily he was taking a lot of bad sacks in my opinion. He wasn't as accurate as the Hall of Fame level accuracy we saw to Joe Burrow earlier in the year. And if I had to project, I think this is uh, where he is right now is definitely going to change because a lot of the positives I said about him earlier we saw the last four or five weeks where he's just been on an absolute tear and he's playing incredible has had incredible anticipation, and somehow he's played better without an elite guy like Jamar Chase. Uh, maybe he had been relying too much on Jamar Chase because of how incredible Chase has been, and this has taught him to play a little bit more, spread the ball around more. That's something we've seen him do a lot ever since Chase has gone out. So, yeah, that start of the year is a big reason why he's not higher up for me. And this last bit is the only reason he's even on this list, because if he continued playing like the way he started the year, I don't think he'd be on anyone's Pro Bowl list. But the way he's been playing, he's definitely looking like someone who'll uh, end up making the Pro Bowl. And if I had to project, he'll be even higher on my list by the end of the year or maybe even uh, the next time we do this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. For, for Burrow, the first quarter uh, of the season was really poor. A lot of sacks. Uh, especially against the Steelers and Cowboys, and then obviously the five turnover game um, in week one, really hurting his place in these rankings, to be honest. If you exclude that game, he would be in the Jalen Hurts and Tua group, um, and I could see him even being argued higher. But as it stands right now, uh, he has to put in some work to push this season up for him. Oh uh, yeah, 100%. But I think I think we're going to see a lot more positive out of Joe Burrow given what we've seen recently. And looking at another quarterback who's been also kind of up and down, inconsistent, and in the same tier and in the same division as Burrow, it's Lamar Jackson. And Lamar, in my opinion, also coming into this season had a lot to prove. You know, the Ravens were not paying him and he wants this massive contract. This was his prove-it year, and he definitely delivered in a lot of ways. Uh, very similar to Hertz, I think this year he's refined uh, a lot as a pocket passer because he's looking a lot more confident in the pocket. And I think this is something I touched on one of the podcasts, but this year he's done a great job of taking advantage of his elite athleticism and elite escapability and the ability to break tackles to really combat the blitz. Earlier on in his career, he was pretty terrible against the blitz. I think teams would just get in his head or get to him too fast and just force him to run around and make stupid decisions, throw the ball into harm's way for no reason. And this year, I feel like he's most of the time using his rushing ability to, I guess, freeze defenders in space and give him more time to make his decision. He has an elite ability to run around that pretty much no other quarterback in this league has, like aside for one or two players. So 
it's great to see how he's utilizing them that against the defensive lineman who will obviously be much less athletic than him. And if they have to freeze in their steps to see what Lamar's going to do, they're not going to be able to catch up with him. He's too agile. He's too quick for that. And that's why I think he's limited his mistakes a lot this year. He's been more accurate this year because he's able to get into his normal throwing motion instead of a weird one with pressure. And he's doing a great job of what I was saying earlier with Hertz of just being able to maneuver and avoid pressure in the pocket without having to run. Because, like I said, that's the most impressive way any quarterback can do it. And I think Lamar's improved a lot in that way. And much like Burrow, the reason he's not higher up in this tier is, or in this list, is because of a few games where all of the things I mentioned, there are a few games this year where he wasn't doing any of that shit. I don't know why Lamar has these like up and down games where he wants to revert back to his old ways, revert back to rookie or second year Lamar, where he was like, a lot more of a rusher, and he would let defenses get into his head uh, and made the Ravens' offense a lot more limited. I think we've seen that a few times this year where he was just making uh, bad decisions, getting rushed by pressure, not using his escapability to his advantage and making better decisions. And that's why he's lower down for me. And I think if he continues playing like this, he might even miss the Pro Bowl. So I want to see him become more consistent. I I don't know if he will. I've projected a lot of these other guys to fix what they're doing wrong. But with Lamar, I feel like I've seen this so many times that at this point, I don't know if he will fix that up. But yeah. Yeah, the, the inconsistency in Lamar's game, I think, is just a pattern of his game. Uh, he is incredibly aggressive, and that, that's a good thing. But uh, he's not... He's not the greatest at avoiding mistakes. Like we we talked about with Joe Burrow, he's able to be aggressive and avoid mistakes. And like Mahomes, he's aggressive and he's able to avoid mistakes. That's not really the case with Lamar. And so you're going to get games where he's just on fire. He's making big-time throws down the field. But you're also going to get games like um, – the games that you're referencing are games like against the Giants and the Bills where he makes costly turnovers that uh, end up losing them the game. So that, that kind of um, stuff – um, is what kind of holds him back, kind of caps him this year for me. Um, but I, I still do think that he's going to make it because the rushing ability is still special. While it is declining um, because of the changes that he made to his body, he got a little bit bigger to help him take some more hits in the pocket. Uh, and I also think that he's not quite the same athlete that he was at 22, 23 years old. Um, he, he is declining, like I said, with Mahomes. So those those kind of things are affecting his rushing, but his passing is getting a little bit better. Um, it's definitely better than it was last year where he was wildly inconsistent, um, had bouts of inaccuracy. Now I think he's a little bit more under control um, with a very limited supporting cast, I'd say. Uh, even though the pass blocking is great, the receiving core is just, it's just Mark Andrews. Um, and Rashad Bateman's injury has hurt it even more. So uh, yeah, impressed with Lamar, doing a lot with very little. Um, yeah, he's going to make the Pro Bowl for us this year. Yeah. And one thing I mentioned earlier uh, with him playing for his contract, even though we talked about his inconsistencies, he's definitely been more consistent than his previous years, and his highs this year have been absolutely insane. So 
I think the Ravens would be extremely stupid if they didn't pay him. And I think the plan is right now that he's going to get that massive contract. So he's definitely played to a level where he's a clear elite level quarterback in this league. Definitely top 10. But we want him to jump into that next tier. And he's got to gain more consistency for that. And like PD mentioned, his supporting cast never, and even especially this year, has not been good at all. Mark Andrews even has been out the past few weeks, and he's pretty much their own res- only receiving threat. I believe Bateman's out for the year now. They have no running back, running backs really, with Dobbins being so injured. Uh, Lamar has been a one-man offense, and if we're truly talking about most valuable player to their team, uh, Lamar might be up there because even though he hasn't been as good as lo- as pretty much all of the guys we've talked about up till this point, he's definitely been very valuable to that offense because he does everything for them and he is the whole reason that offense functions. They've definitely got to put more help around him. Uh, but and moving on to another quarterback who definitely needs a lot more help around him and uh, someone that PD doesn't have on his list, but for me, is uh, almost like a lock in this tier. I don't think he should be someone left off of the Pro Bowl conversation, and that is Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert, I think the general public has been pretty unfair to him this year because uh, this offseason, the Chargers did do a lot in terms of bringing people in to make this a winning team. For a few years now, they've been that team that's got that offense because of Justin Herbert and a couple of great uh, skill positions. But because of lack in pretty much every other aspect of their roster, they weren't making it. And a lot of people thought like, oh, the Chargers brought in J.C. Jackson. They drafted guys like uh, Zion on the offensive line. And they made plenty of additions like that. And people thought, you know, this if Justin Herbert doesn't prove himself this year as a winner, I guess you could say, that he's done nothing in his career so far and doesn't deserve to be rated as an elite quarterback. And I've been seeing that take a lot online and from a lot of NFL fans. And I think people are disrespecting Justin Herbert a lot. I think another big problem is that he was expected to take that leap into that Mahomes and Allen tier. Even I did. I I thought he was going to be MVP. He was my pick for MVP. And he has definitely not been that. And I think because he's disappointed from that tier, people want to dog on him more than he needs to be. But if we're talking about his play, I don't think he's regressed at all from last year. I think the biggest concern I think everyone needs to recognize is he has absolutely no help offensively and even worse defensively. That Chargers defense is absolutely atrocious. They can't stop anybody's run. Uh, JC Jackson has been an absolute bust, and as a result, their secondary has taken a huge hit. Even though they have guys like Derwin James and Asante Samuel Jr. who are great playmakers, uh, with Bosa out, they get no pressure. Uh, that defense has been trash. And if you look at the offensive side, uh, a lot of their additions this year have also, much like that Bengals offensive line, not gelled together yet. And as a result, Justin Herbert doesn't necessarily have, hasn't necessarily had the best blocking all year. It's recently improved, but earlier on in the year, that wasn't the case. Uh, Eckler has still been elite, but if you look at his receiving threats in terms of receivers, Keenan Allen's been out 
pretty much the whole year. Uh, Mike Williams has been huge for him, but even he's out now. And other than that, he's got no one else. And despite that, he hasn't gotten worse at turning the ball over. He's turning the ball over at, honestly, I think the best rate of his career. He's been just as accurate. He's been just as good as ball placement, anticipation. He's got that trait, which I talked about other quarterbacks not having, where despite having a bad offensive line and dealing with a lot of pressure, he's able to maneuver around the pocket and not necessarily make it seem like he's under pressure. And he's been had he's still had a great arm this year, incredible accuracy. The only problem I have with his game even now is he's got to be more aggressive. There's He's too physically gifted to be checking the ball down as often as he does, throwing it underneath as much as he does. And I know that's like how he's always playing, a huge part of his game. But if he can become that explosive quarterback like Mahomes and Allen, uh, I could honestly see him being even better than them. So I could see why people are disappointed in Herbert, but I think uh, the way he's played has clearly shown me he's a pro bowler. Aside from uh, injured play, I don't think there's been a single game where he's played bad. He's been extremely consistent, and that's my argument for him being a pro bowler. Yeah, that last point that you touched on is basically the only thing that's holding me back is the fact that he sustained the injury and like it, it didn't look good when he was injured. That's that's really all it is. Um, to throw out some numbers, Herbert point zero three six EPA per play that ranks twenty second, forty four point five percent success rate that ranks twenty seventh, uh, negative point seven completion percentage over expectation that ranks twenty third, um, and a seventy six point six percent PFF or seventy six point six PFF grade which ranks twelfth. Uh, I never, I never got the completion percentage over expectation with Herbert because even last year he wasn't performing well. But he's clearly one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. So um, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Chargers should catch some more passes. But uh, regardless, I agree with basically everything you said. Um, especially these past couple of weeks, I think he's been pretty incredible um, as he's kind of returning to health. Um, Herbert's always been an interesting one because his physical profile fits the exact opposite uh, archetype of quarterback that he is. Um, he's very, I don't want to say conservative. He, um, he plays under control. doesn't put the ball in harm's way. He's extremely accurate. Doesn't take any sacks. Doesn't, uh, make many errors overall. Uh, but his physical profile suggests, yeah, his physical profile suggests he should play the exact opposite way. So I'm not sure whether that's the best of both worlds at this point or the worst of world, worst of both worlds at this point, but we'll have to see, uh, as his career goes on. Uh, I think that. This year, um, the supporting cast has been pretty awful. Uh, I think the offensive line has been below average, but his sack rate has been uh, one of the best in the league. Uh, and it's a, it's a really great trait to have to be able to avoid sacks, and he's doing it at a really, really high level. So that's that's great. He hasn't really put the ball in harm's way too much outside of the stretch where he was injured. Um, and, of course, the explosive plays are not going to be there when the supporting cast is this poor. Um, so... He, he definitely can be argued into the Pro Bowl for me. It's just that injured stretch and the fact that he was injured and it, the fact that it didn't look good, um, that's the only thing holding me back. But I, I'm I'm very confident that he will push back into this tier and probably into the next tier as well as the season goes on. Yeah, 100%. I just, I just need to see more respect on Herbert's name overall. I can understand like not putting him in right now because of the injury and that – will obviously become less important over time because in a 17-game stretch, it overshadows the game or two he missed, 
which isn't the case right now, but I'm seeing a lot of people disrespect Herbert, as I mentioned earlier, and just saying he's not that guy, and I assure you, he is, and he will he'll show a lot of people what he can do the rest of the season. He may not win, and that's okay. This His team isn't good enough to do it. If he does win, cool. I'd love to see seeing just someone like Justin Herbert in the playoffs, but... Yeah, please stop disrespecting this man is all I got to say. But after Herbert, we've kind of got to the point where everyone else is pretty clearly not a pro bowler this point in the year. As PD mentioned earlier in the pod, this this has been a below average year for sure for quarterbacks. Like They have not been that good this year. But we do have some guys that uh, who have been previously pro bowl level and some people might want to talk about as uh, – you know, why Why were they left off? And I think the biggest two examples are Brady and Rodgers, who are, we're seeing a bit of a uh, passing of the torch from guys like Brady and Rodgers dominating the league to it being uh, Mahomes and Allen dominated league. So, yeah, PD, talk about why Brady and Rodgers has, have been, are off your list. Yeah, they're off my list, but I I can see them being argued on. Um the, they're, they're definitely in decline, but I think that um, the, the statistical profile doesn't really match what's going on. Uh, for Rodgers, it's a negative 0.003 EPA per play that ranks 26th, a 46.4% success rate that ranks 23rd, 0.4 completion percentage over expectation, that's 14th, but he does have a 79 PFF grade, which ranks 9th. So I think that what's going on with the Packers um, is... It's it's really one of the worst situations that I've ever seen in terms of uh, receiving talent. It compares pretty favorably, I think, with uh, what Tom Brady had to go through with the 2019 Patriots, where uh, Jacoby Myers was the number one receiver. And for the Packers, it's Alan Lazard uh, and Sammy Watkins and uh, Robert Tunyon post-injury. And Christian Watson, who had his first good game of the season, I guess, uh, could, could be something down the stretch. But, I mean... It's it's been an awful it's been an awful situation. And to top it off, the offensive line has not been healthy. So basically the Packers offense is the run game and whatever Aaron Rodgers can pull miracles. And so um the situation is so bad that I'm giving him almost maximum credit for uh pulling through an awful situation. I think that his accuracy, despite what the completion percentage over expectation says, is still really good. Um, I think his receivers have dropped a lot of passes, which is uh, hurting that that number. I do think that he's really in decline uh, as a scrambler and a runner, and that's kind of showing up in his EPA per play because he's taking more sacks uh, than he used to. He he can't avoid those those plays anymore. Um, I still think his arm is really strong, but obviously it's still it's in decline. It's never going to be the same uh, as it, what it was at his best in 2011, um, and I think that. Uh, his ability to trust his receivers uh, when they're coming open is still a problem. It always has been, but even more so now, as I think he's trying to play more careful and avoid mistakes in this style of offense. Uh, so all of that kind of adds up to a profile which is pretty close to Pro Bowl level for me, but the errors that he's making in terms of taking sacks and the lack of explosive plays, even, even though... Um, there isn't that many opportunities. He's not taking those opportunities. So uh, that's that's what's keeping me, uh, him off for me. 
I think that if Christian Watson emerges as a deep threat and he learns to trust him, uh, put the ball and the money to him, uh, it could move his place uh, up in these rankings. But um, for now, he's not going to be in my Pro Bowl group. Yeah, Rodgers, I look at a little bit more negatively than PD, or maybe not negatively, but uh, this was a what a lot of what he said is a big reason why coming into the season in our off season episode, I said that I wasn't even sure why Rodgers decided to resign with the Packers because they're clearly headed in a direction which he obviously doesn't want to be in. I think I've said multiple times this year that he just looks he looks miserable playing for that team. This is the first time in, in like his career I just see him looking disgust after almost every drive. So. And I don't blame him for that at all. This team isn't helping him whatsoever. The defense has been above average, I'd say. But other than that, his uh, weapons, his offensive line, and even his running backs, who were uh, last year at one point the best one-two punch in the league, even they've disappointed. And probably a big reason to do with that injured offensive line. But despite all that, I do think Rodgers can have done a lot more to – make do with the situation he's had. I think because he's unhappy, he wasn't doing enough to uh, make the best out of the situation. And I think it's showing for sure. I mean, we've talked about all year how he doesn't trust his receivers and he hasn't built chemistry with them. Uh, And that's why they aren't able to make all those explosive playmaking plays uh, that Rodgers has built a career off of. But I think a lot of that does fall on Rodgers though. Like, He's got to make more of an effort to trust his guys because he's not going to be able to succeed with this team if he doesn't. And I don't think that's all on the receivers. I think that's something that's going to fall onto him too. And another big reason uh, Rodgers doesn't even come close to the list for me is he's had some very dud uncharacter- and uncharacteristic games for Rodgers where he just hasn't been good at all. I think the prime example was against Detroit last week where he just he wasn't accurate he wasn't making the right reads and he just didn't seem like he wanted to be there and it's a game like that games like that and the one again the previous week against the Bills where uh I question Rodgers I think the Rodgers we all know and love is in there but I think he definitely has been playing like that even with the bad supporting cast I still think he's someone who should be left off this list. But in real life, he will probably make it because the NFC is just bad. But in this, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to big disagree with you on the on the Bills game part. I think he made some spectacular plays, and almost none of the negative plays mm-hmm. were his fault. Um, but moving on from Rodgers to another quarterback who's very old, um, and that's Tom Brady. And Tom Brady... <laughs> Um, I, I also see him as being having an argument to be on, and his numbers look a little bit better. Uh, a point one one five EPA per play that ranks twelfth, forty nine point nine percent success rate that ranks eleventh, point uh, one completion percentage over expectation, which is eighteenth, and a seventy eight point one PFF grade, which ranks tenth. Uh, I, I don't I don't get the completion percentage over expectation for Brady either. Um, yeah, it, it 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 probably has to do with the receivers dropping the ball, but. For Brady, I mean, he just, he doesn't, he, he's in decline in terms of his movement, I think. Um, he doesn't avoid sacks, um, or 
let me phrase this correctly. He he doesn't avoid sacks in order to make explosive plays the way that he used to. Um, when he avoids sacks, he's not really generating anything. He's usually just throwing the ball away, and that's that's a big thing for him. Um, another thing is that uh, in critical situations this year, the Bucks' offense has just been awful. They just do not do the thing that they're supposed to do. I mean, Brady makes mistakes. Like an example maybe is the fumble that he had against the Chiefs. In a critical situation, he fumbles, gives the ball right back to the Chiefs. Um, we, we, we saw a drop uh, from Mike Evans on a potential 75-yard touchdown against the Panthers, and their offense just basically stalled for the rest of the day. Um, so it's, it's plays like that that's holding back this Bucks offense. And I truly do think that Brady can play his way back into form. Um, it just... And, and also, uh, the Bucks' run game is, like, historically bad. It, it's one of the worst run games of all time. So all of those factors are working against him. And also, and to top that, to top that all off, uh, his receivers haven't been healthy, uh, with Mike Evans even getting suspended for a game because uh, he got into another fight with Marshawn Lattimore. So uh, <laughs> despite, despite uh, him being uh, in a bad situation for a lot of the games this year, I still think his accuracy – his aggression down the field uh, and his ability to avoid negative plays is, is a really good package to have. And I think that as his receivers get more healthy and he gets more help around him in general, um, that explosive play number can, can start to go up as well. And he could, he could climb this list. And I'm almost surprised that you don't have him in this honorable mentions category kind of. Um, So I'd, I'd love to hear your reasoning. Oh, actually, uh, I guess I didn't mention it, but, Unlike Rodgers, I actually do agree with you with Brady that he is he's just off for me. I think the problem with Brady this year has definitely been that he came to the Bucks because at this point in his career, he's not that prime Brady who could carry rosters that were not meant to be where they were because he's so good. And he came to the Bucks because it was a stacked roster without a quarterback, and that's why he was successful. And this year, we're seeing what happens when you put a 45-year-old with pretty much no help around him. Uh, As PD said, he has declined significantly in his movement. He's obviously never been the most mobile, but I thought Brady was the master of the trade I was talking about earlier of a guy who can avoid pressure without having to do too much. I think Brady's IQ is always so high that even though he wasn't mobile, he was never someone who was always under pressure and were was someone who teams could blitz easily. But I think that's changing a lot this year, even though his he's mentally still there. He physically can't move around enough to avoid all of that pressure. I think that's affecting him. There are games like the game we saw two weeks ago where his against the Panthers where he pretty much that pass rush got uh to him so often that his throwing motion was getting messed up and his mechanics were getting messed up and that was leading to a lot more overall inaccuracy and inconsistencies. I think we're seeing that way more and more right now with Brady. And I think that's pretty much his only problem. His arms been as elite as it's always been. His uh, deep playability when his team actually helps him has been as good as ever. And he's still picking apart defenses. Uh, so... I don't think there's much fault on his part here other than the fact that he's aging and uh, that that is something that's got to be under consideration. So 
that's why for me is just off. But I could totally see, like PD said, this team's getting much healthier now. And with some help, Brady, I think this, that same Brady's still in there. And I think he's a lot more motivated now. I mean, it's off the field stuff, but he is divorced now. He has nothing else going on in his life. So uh, he's risked a lot, so he might as well play well this season to make up for it. Yeah, I want to throw out some numbers, uh, some more numbers for Brady. So last year, um, his touchdown percentage was at 6%, and his interception rate was at 1.7%. This year, he's cut his interception rate by uh, by three times. It's now at 0.5%, but his touchdown his touchdown percentage has dropped by half, and it's now at 2.8%. So that's that's a huge, huge number um, to, to drop off from. And uh that kind of goes back to what I was saying with the explosive plays thing, and it's being reflected in the number of touchdowns that he's throwing. Uh, and also, uh, his sack rate is still extremely low. Last year was at 3%, this year it's 3.2%. So not really much of a change, despite the fact that the offensive line has sustained a lot of injuries. So that trade is still there, but he can't really create like that anymore. Uh, I still think that he will return to this level, but uh, he needs to prove it again for me. Yeah, you mentioned the sack rate, and I was talking about earlier how the pressure has been getting to him. I think even though uh, he's as immobile as he is right now, he's so good at avoiding pressure that he's the defensive linemen still are not getting it, getting to him. He's getting rid of the ball. The problem is now is like with his lack of athleticism, he's not able to have his full proper throw uh, while under pressure a lot of the time, where in the past, I don't think his mechanics ever wavered, no matter how much pressure he was in. And I think that affects his game a lot with him being so immobile. If he can't stay in the pocket and always make an accurate throw, uh, there isn't much else more he can do. Uh, but, yeah, that yeah. is what it is. All right. And I think that wraps up our uh, anyone who we think is just off this list and – Moving forward, we're looking at the guys who are solidly off this list, which people could have thought they might be pro bowlers going into the season, but we don't think they are as of right now. And go ahead, PD. Yeah, so these are the guys who are solidly off for us, but they might have had pro bowl expectations. So in this group, we have Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, and Derek Carr. And We'll just go rapid fire on these because these aren't the most significant names uh, in terms of this season. So Kirk Cousins is someone that I thought uh, before his performance this week might have made it. But in <laughs> a small sample, a bad performance like he had against the Bills uh, can can hurt him a lot. Um, so he, he made four turnover-worthy plays. Two of them he was punished for. Uh, two interceptions, one of them being maybe the worst play of the year where he thought his receiver was a defensive back and he threw it right to him so that that happened uh he also had an interception that was bad a dropped interception that was bad and a play where um tj hawkinson had to make an offensive pass interference to prevent an interception so all four of those really gonna hurt him despite the fact that he made a lot of plays uh, down the stretch in the final drive um to get them near the goal line uh matthew stafford um Matthew Stafford has been under a ton of pressure this year with a rapidly declining offensive line and a, a complete dearth of weapons other than Cooper Cup. Uh, and now that Cooper Cup is yeah, Cooper Cup is injured. Matthew Stafford is also injured. Um, so it, it's just <laughs> it's just a lot of problems for the Rams uh, and Matthew Stafford. So 
yeah, I I don't think he really has much of a case. Uh, you can you can go forward with Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler, I think, is another guy who's just disappointed despite having uh, a lot of pieces around him. I think the problem with him is uh, he just hasn't been accurate. He uh, he hasn't been as accurate as he's been in previous seasons, and I feel like he's also similar in that category with guys like Hurts and Lamar, who I feel like aren't comfortable enough in the pocket yet, and they're trying to do a bit too much while avoiding pressure, and it's ruining the flow of the offense. Uh, and moving on to a guy like Tannehill, and I think Tannehill, he's, he's been playing at the Pro Bowl level for a few years now, but I think at this point it's just age catching up to him. I think uh, he's lost a bit of his arm power, which already he wasn't the a quarterback with the biggest arm in the world, but with a little bit of loss of that, I feel like it's messing up his mechanics and ultimately his accuracy overall. I think his movements become more limited. Even He wasn't super athletic before, but now I think he's getting to that borderline immobile category. I think overall he's they've had to rely a lot more on Derrick Henry than they've had to do in previous seasons, which is saying a lot because that Titans offense has been relying on Derrick Henry for years. And I think Carr, which is rounds out our list of the guys we have solidly off, I think he's been a prime example of just underperforming to the fullest because this Raiders team came in with plenty of expectations, bringing in a guy like Devontae Adams, who's looked like the best receiver in the league for years. And despite not having Darren Waller for a lot of the year and Hunter Renfro for the, a lot of the year, He's at an elite receiver in Devontae Adams, and we've seen the emergence of Josh Jacobs and that offensive line, which is projected to be bad, and they've been solid so far. And Josh Jacobs has been absolutely incredible. And he's been carrying the load of that offense a lot of the time, so Carr's uh, duties have even been relieved a little bit, and he's just not been good pretty much. He's not been the quarterback that they need him to be. He's... uh underperformed and turned the ball over too many times. And yeah, anything to add to that, PD? I'm going to disagree slightly on the Tannehill point that you made with his athleticism. I think that he's been uh, an actual option threat in the past. And I think his arm is pretty good, but I do think it is in decline. And his mobility probably in decline as well. One thing I will say, he probably has the worst receiving core in the league. Um, Or... Maybe second worst behind the Packers. It's up there. It's up there. Right behind sure. the Packers, probably. It's like Robert Woods at this point in his career is a wide receiver three, and he's, he's playing washed. wide. He's yeah, he's playing the wide receiver one role. And, and who would you say is their wide receiver two? It's like Nick Westbrook Aquina, and Nick Westbrook Aquina yeah. is probably like a number four or a number five on a real team. So, I mean, I don't know. This situation is awful. His offensive line is still declining somehow despite being terrible last year and they're at the bottom of the league this this might be maybe the worst overall situation in the league behind the Packers um so yeah just keep an eye on him he could play better if the situation around him improves yeah and I, I mentioned it earlier but that does goes to show how impressive uh what Derrick Henry is doing because at his age and size most running backs aren't even around anymore at 6'3 like 28 years old it's everyone thought he was going to decline and he's been absolutely incredible despite that situation all right 
so the last segment um, that we want to do is to keep an eye on these young guys. And the two young guys that we have are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who we don't think have been playing at a Pro Bowl level, but it's possible for the second half of the year that they become that kind of level. Uh, and into next year, they, they play at that level. So you can get started with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so Trevor Lawrence has been a weird one for me this year because he started off the year on fire and people were thinking, okay, this is the leap we were expecting out of a general generational talent like Lawrence. And then he dipped back to his rookie ways where he was turning the ball over a lot, not making good decisions, playing poorly against the Blitz. And then over the last week or two, we've saw, seen like a – resurgence of some sorts in Lawrence where he's going back to that early in the year Lawrence if not better so I think this up and down play is the big reason he's not even close to our list at the moment but given his recent little uptake in play uh, we could see him go on to the rest of the year the last seven eight weeks of this season where he continues to play at that level where we think he's made that jump from the rookie Lawrence who's not always turning the ball over and not always uh, making mistakes. So if he continues to play like this, we could see him jump into that fringe tier. Uh, and the AFC is so stacked, he'll probably never actually make it in real life. But it, in terms of our uh, categories, we think he could be uh, someone to watch out for uh, when our Pro Bowl votes at the end of the year come around. Yeah, and to counter what he says with a look into Justin Fields, this one's a little bit more uh, clear to me uh, what's going on. Uh, in the Patriots game that the Bears played, they found uh, how how they should actually run their offense, which is through Justin Fields' legs as a huge portion of the offense, and then running long-developing play-action passes uh, for him to get a lot of time because uh, one of the areas that he struggles with is uh, quick processing, and so those play-action passes have been buying him time to load up and fire it down the field. So, uh, yeah, just, just letting Fields be a, a high-level playmaker with both his legs and, and through the air uh, is the way for the Bears to go. And, yeah, it's very possible that with, like, a huge number of explosive plays through the air and a continual dominance on the <laughs> ground, he could, he could surge up into this Pro Bowl tier in the back half of the year. Yeah, I agree with PD in that Fields is definitely a much, much uh, stronger candidate for jumping into that Pro Bowl category <clears throat> because uh, for him, he's had a very consistent jump, so to say, whereas Lawrence has been unpredictable. Fields came out this year uh, looking a lot like the Fields we've seen in the past where he just seemed super limited, super inconsistent with his throwing motion, and super inaccurate and just seemed like someone who only succeeded when he was running. And recently it seemed like uh, the Bears offense have tweaked their offense and really found their own and their identity, which as PD mentioned er earlier is uh, letting Justin Fields be himself and kind of just run around and play make because that's where he's clearly most successful. And ever since the Bears have catered to uh, Justin Fields' needs, Despite having a very, very poor receiving core and not really a strong run game, uh, he's just absolutely solo carrying that offense and generating a ton of yardage, having massive uh, uh, rushing gains, and just 
just playing much better. And since we've seen a consistent jump from him, whereas Trevor Lawrence, we said he was up, then down, then back up, uh, Fields started off the year bad, but has been consistent for the better part of a month or a month and a half now. And if he continues this the rest of the year and doesn't go back to his old ways at any point, he could totally be a pro bowler this year. Yep. Um, so that should wrap it up for us. Thank you all so much for listening all the way to the end. Uh, make sure to like, leave a review on Spotify or wherever you're listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe if that's an option on the platform that you're listening to. That's all for me. Um, body, say your last words and then we'll cut out. Yeah, just watch out for another episode we're coming in with this week. It'll be our regular previews of the previous week or reviews of the previous week and a look into next week. So if you're still here, look out for Dot Podcast and yeah, support. And yeah, that's all. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening.